0: Hello everybody and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today.
1: Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing fine, thank you. A little you. bit warm thank down you, here. yeah.
0: But we're going to talk about some people who aren't doing quite so well. Yeah. You know, this has been predicted and it's not a surprise, it shouldn't shock anybody has has even a very primitive understanding of economics that uh, Food might become a problem, yeah. you know, in an inflationary age, and that's that's what's going on. And we want to talk a little bit about that because, uh, he, you know, the United Nations are worried about it. Yeah. So, uh, and they're they're going to do their best to keep uh, keep any serious problems from happening. And so, uh, what did they, what have they done so far? Well, just this weekend, I this week, it says the UN food chief uh, have the refugees' meal rations yeah. cut the rations in half. Right. So it is a little bit complex, uh, but it's it's uh, if you just say put everything that the government has done as far as regulating food, you know, it uh, uh, you could explain everything that's gone wrong. So and and right now so far most of the things that we're going to read today there's a hint that there's a few people out there that know that uh, exactly what's wrong it's too much government regulation but uh it, it's really the government that has brought this about and this this is uh you know, I could say what we're talking about here is Russia, uh, China, or, you know, Africa. Well, that's, you know, they're more primitive. They don't have enough food. and all. We shouldn't be surprised. But guess what? There are people in this country that are having trouble getting food as well. No kidding. But, you know, there's uh, the major factors that uh, causes uh, uh, starvation and hunger under these conditions is basically it's uh, what's happening in an age of inflation because uh, the uh, pricing of food is difficult and planning it messes up economic planning so just the fact that the monetary system is messed up and devaluates the currency then you have people on the extreme like in zimbabwe and burgundesia it gets very bad in so many places including this country in the past and uh, I believe going on right now. And also what ha- what happens under these conditions, especially if you throw in COVID or something, distribution of everything becomes more difficult. Yeah. And uh, that can happen internationally uh, as well. If there's a war going on someplace in the world, uh, in, in the world, this is always a, a major drain as well. But then if you top this off with what we been doing as a nation for not five years or 10 years, that's policy. And it's amazing how everybody's rolled over about protectionism and sanctions. And uh, with all that, it just wrecks everything they've killed the invisible hand yeah. you know where things worked out when you allowed people to make their decision so now they think that uh, well well first they're going to uh, demand more money to feed people and then they're going to cut the food stamps to the people who are starving and they're probably not going to look at the foreign the foreign policy or, or specifically uh, what has happened because uh, uh, you, you know Ru- Russias involved in this and they call Claim some people said they can punish Russia because they could lower the price and they're inhibiting the distribution of wheat and other things from Ukraine and from Russia. And uh, if they if Russia can do that, because we've learned a lesson in the West, what well, we did, we'll fix we'll fix those Russians. We're going to put sanctions on their oil. And they said, oh, okay. And. Of course, everybody knows what's happening. They're they're doing quite well selling yeah. oil, so they're probably not going to do much better on the food. Uh, but this is just, you know this this is so messy when you compare it to uh, the beliefs that we have on how liberty works. You know there are so many decisions to be made in any society, economically and socially, religious-wise, everything. And then when the government gets involved in doing that, it's an overwhelming task. But, uh, you know, there's this demand, the globalism. And right now, in the forefront of this uh, uh, food shortage, United Nations. Everybody's putting uh putting the bet on the united nations if they just could get a little bit more money there will be uh uh, a cure for this more more government regulation not going to work it'll probably work like uh, us punishing the russians on their oil exports
1: yeah it's you know we've talked about it before what's happened is pretty simple and pretty easy to see and the governments that should be blamed are not being blamed but the whole idea as you say put sanctions on the russians make it hard for them to sell their oil well, it's a global market, and so the price of oil has skyrocketed. Russia goes to friendly countries like China and India and says, hey, here's the world price of oil. We're going to give you a 30% discount. You know, I'm a bargain shopper. I would, I would, My eyes would open up if I saw 30% off today only. <laughs> so they're selling it at a 30 to 40% discount to friendly countries, and they're still making tons more than they would have made before these sanctions hit, and they're literally financing their war by this increased prices. So we are literally aiding and abetting the financing of the war uh, with this policy. But let's put up the first, because that's just one aspect and there are so many aspects of it. But this is from the UN website, the World Food Program website, and it is very serious. Uh, Amidst escalating needs and soaring hunger, refugees caught in the eye of the perfect storm. And from Zero Hedge, here's a quote from David Beasley, He's the director of the UN World Food Program, if we put that next one up. Uh, And here's what he's talking about. And, yes, it's a headline grabber, um, but I think it's something that should be paid attention to. He released a statement uh, detailing the heartbreaking decision to cut food rations for refugees who rely on us for survival. And he says, as global hunger soars way beyond the resources available to feed all the families who who, who desperately need our help, we're being forced to make the heartbreaking decision to cut food rations for refugees. Uh, and of course, some of this, as you suggest, Dr. Paul, may be a ploy for money, uh, you know, and that, that is some of it. But we've been watching the warnings for weeks now that all of these sanctions, all of these actions, plus a lot of other things that we'll talk about today, they're all going to gather together and they're going to hit the poorest and the most vulnerable first and worst. And now we're finally starting to see it. That's right.
0: And, you know, this type of... Uh problem it is very complex but it's not new and i was just thinking of the times when it got the major attention and and, and found a spot in history on it there, there was something way happened a long time ago. Most people have read about this in history, that uh, there was a promise of bread and circuses, and you could have it. And finally, it ended an empire. You know, it was so, so bad that you could all the luxuries of, that you want of the infl- an inflated uh, society, and uh, all, also uh, you could have a lot of fun. You know, sit around and go to the circuses. Uh-huh. But, uh, but then there are some other ones uh, that. Uh, have uh, occurred uh, in the 60s. The saying always was, and then especially you know, after Johnson got in, he says, we can have guns and butter. We don't have to cut back. Yeah. That was all through the 60s. That brought down the dollar. The yeah. dollar had to be declared bankrupt in 1971 and a massive inflation of the 70s. And right now we're in the midst, uh, it's a little more complex because it's more complicated. But right now, what are we talking about? We're talking about food. Oh, they're coming up short of food. And yet everybody wants tanks, you know, yeah. food and tanks and weaponry, you know, and uh, there will be some people making some money off that and it might be uh, you know I, I, I made a suggestion to you Daniel and you didn't take me up on it but I thought it was a great thing. If these people need to make so much profit on weapons why don't we have this law that says, yeah, you can buy the weapons, but you're not allowed to have any bullets <laughs> yeah, or
1: something. That's a good but idea.
0: Uh, that's not the case. And, and that's, it's that uh, type of policy around the world and the United Nations being in. But the United Nations and the, I see the United Nations and NATO and all this globalism all one and the same. And uh, that's, that's, uh, that's been, been around. They've, they're the ones who got us into this trouble. So how are they going to expect the UN to solve this problem. How are we going to expect NATO to figure this out? And uh, how are we going to uh, uh, you you know take the bullets away from the uh, military industrial
1: complex? Well let's put on this next clip because we want to talk a little bit about causes because there are plenty and it's easy to point the finger at one thing but I think that's insufficient. And this is from the FT Financial Times of last month. It says African Union warns of collateral impact as EU's Russia sanctions hit food supply. So, again, this is a warning about a month ago, and we've seen many of them. Uh, but so what is, the, what is the issue? Well, African countries were having a difficult time buying things because of the Russia sanctions, including on the SWIFT, because they would use the SWIFT system to buy fertilizer, to buy grains, to buy seed, what have you. So Russia being shut out of SWIFT. Is causing a lot of damage to the global uh, food supply market for what food they can raise there. Um, But it's not, again, as you say, Dr. Paul, we can't just blame the sanctions, although they're a big part of it. But if you look at what we're having, we had just had two years of COVID, uh, you know, and all of those lockdowns and shutdowns drastically and desperately affected the food supply, the supply chain, you know, everything from A to Z, even though Biden wants us to believe that it's Putin's price hike. No, it's something that's not even just his fault because Trump and a lot of the world leaders went along with it. But you also have, because of the war, you have less area planted. And Russia and Ukraine are the biggest exporters of grain in the world. So you have less area planted because it's all being blown up. You have less workers to do the planning because uh, they're all getting blown up themselves. And you have um, the sanctions on fuel, fertilizer. You know, the biggest producers of fertilizer are also Russia and Ukraine. You can't buy it from Russia now. So there's a lot of factors. And again, I think really the perfect storm is a good way to describe it. So the sad reality is that millions of people are probably going to at least be hungry or die because of this.
0: (laughs) Yes. You know, You're not allowed to mention this because it's so controversial or at least people think it's unpatriotic. But one of the final conclusion, uh, concluding event to precipitate World War II, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, was the freezing of assets where the the Japanese couldn't buy fuel. But you can't say that was the whole thing because, uh, you know, the rationale was Japan were bad people and that sort of thing. But it was, the principle was the same, the freezing of assets oil and, uh, and and there was uh, there there's some pretty good arguments that uh, the negotiations uh, for peace private Pearl Harbor uh, were purposely neglected yeah and that's that's a different that's a bigger story but uh, but anyway uh, I think that uh, also there's a lot of other people that want to get involved in this, uh, and they, that is the, the people who want to take advantage of this mess. Oh, the yeah. greenies think this is a great deal. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, the, the more chaos and the more problem it is, uh, the better chance they have to, you know, getting people out of their cars. And then they wonder why there's going to be shortages and all if if there's no hydrocarbons. That that whole thing uh, it, it has fallen into the hands of the greenies but I think I don't think they're gonna get away with it It, because it it just seems so bizarre that uh, that they won't be caught and they are getting caught more often now you know the far left and maybe maybe they won't be able to uh, capitalize on this and uh, but 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 the whole suggestion uh, see they don't back away from it they say inflation is actually need it yeah if you if we have it this open this uh, provides the opportunity for us to do the right thing and you know and and that is save the world let them die of food shortages but in the meantime, we're going to make sure that they uh, they don't die of uh, co2
1: yeah this incredible incredible arrogance and cruelty of the elites you know across across the globe and here's an example this is from Newsweek recently uh, and then we'll go to what you, you, you mentioned here, but if we put that next one up. So Africa, I was, we have established as starving. Here's just a couple weeks ago. U.S. warns starving African nations to not buy grain stolen by Russia. <laughs> so here they are, they're down there in Africa, they are literally starving, and the U.S. says, hey, we got sanctions on that grain. You better not try to buy that and circumvent these sanctions. So that shows the unbelievable cynicism and cruelty, which is exasperated uh, by uh, uh, by this story you mentioned, if you can put it on the next one, sorry. Um, the, the elites, again, CNN analysts suggests inflation is needed to achieve the green agenda. And this is a uh, a, a host they had on CNN, Reyna Foruhar, I think that's how you pronounce the name, from CNN, who came on and she said, this is a great thing, this is going to be a revolution. The green is coming in, energy, green energy. All right. <laughs> right? you know what what all
0: this made me think about was uh you know the 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 amazing thing that the market can do and Adam Smith was pretty good at this but talking about the invisible hand while you didn't have economic planning you had individual planning and much more good came from it. no matter what the motive was for spending money or doing whatever you want to do but it was but it was what uh, uh, some people say well that was all chaos yes but it was chaos but it produced very uh, very many positive things so back then uh, what he was talking about, was not saying, well, what we need is ESG. We need these investment in these companies that care about the environment and care about social reforms and, and care about uh, corporate government, uh, governance. And uh, they, that's what they argue for. But th- the fact that we've had all this failure failure by this and the big corporations are all behind this uh wokeism and you know, the, the, the esg movement and investments this has distorted the whole system even more so but they're trying to do what the market could do and i think that's what adam smith uh, you know really brought to our attention but no they're going to do it but we're going to do more and more of this and you just demonstrate how how dumb it gets yeah. you know uh how are they going to help the poor people well we'll go and put do
1: abc and it makes all the problems worse it's dumb but it's also cruel and evil you know it really is and here's reina Faruhar, i believe that's how you pronounce it here she is on cnn she's actually prayed people in africa are starving you know it's, it's, it's a good idea i'm sure reina has not missed a meal and she's probably not out eating bugs either. But here's what she had to say. This is something I think, unfortunately, no politician, particularly the Democrats right now, in advance of midterms or presidential election, wants to, to land on, which is some of the transitions to a kinder, gentler, I believe more stable and ultimately more resilient economy are going to be inflationary in the short to medium term. What's the cost of something if you have to actually have a real price on carbon? and then you have to tally how much it costs to towed it over tens of thousands of miles from the South China Seas. What's the cost if you have a proper environmental and labor standards? This is the conversion happening right now. And once you start pricing all these costs in and you really start thinking about the economy in a different way, yeah, it certainly is inflationary. That is spoken from someone who, again, has not known any hardship. You can obviously tell through the way she talks with well, the irony of this whole thing is I'm sure you saw this Dr. Paul Germany in the Netherlands have announced they're going back to coal right <laughs> so they <laughs> shut the whole thing down for green for Russia to do all this and they say oh my gosh what will the greenies <laughs> say about yeah. this huh? coal bring but, back coal
0: i tell you what uh, there's somebody that's very famous in this country uh, a, a woman that was uh, you know head of the uh, head of the uh uh, audit, uh, uh, you know, the, the Fed, Fed yeah. and uh, now is the secretary, is treasury secretary, <laughs> and uh, she has a solution, and, and I'm sure you're going to agree with uh-huh. it. Let's put an oil cap, let's get our friends to put an oil cap and punish the Russians.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, I
0: mean, where where has she been? You yeah, know, uh-huh. and she, she's proposing that, and, uh, and uh, of course, that's only going to make it much worse, and uh, and an- another statement that has come out with all this worldwide, this is a the worldwide event that I'm thinking along those lines, but it's all it's all together now. You can't just say it's Africa or it's Ukraine or it's United States. It, it certainly is a world market. And uh, it, they said that uh, the, the real problems are just getting started. And that's been my argument. My argument is that we have just barely entered into the price inflation price increases that reflects the monetary inflation of the past i actually had dated back to to 2000 uh, 2008 and so this uh, the money's coming out of the woodwork we were we were creating money for a long time and the people who were in office took credit oh we don't even have two percent of inflation you know at the at the same time that money is coming out now, you know, COVID and these other things has brought it out. And this has pushed up the price inflation. And uh, what uh, uh, what somebody pointed out, and I think it was on Zero Hedge, that the evidence is, you know, food prices, everybody knows about food prices and, and, and oil prices. But what they haven't calculated, and this is on the food, is, you know, the cost of production of food. You know, maybe cost of land, uh, uh, cost of the 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 energy for enough fertilizers. You know, Ukraine evidently provides a lot of substance for fertilizer. Yeah. That hasn't even been touched. The prices haven't even moved. So the prices on food right now going up is past mistakes when it came to it of course past monetary mistakes so the monetary mistakes are going to continue at the same time uh, the prediction by by this uh, uh, this individual writing this is saying you know this is this is going to get be compounded because the cost of production hasn't been worked into it so yeah you know, we look at this and say well this was dumb 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 they shouldn't have done it and they, all you have to do is do a little bit less of that it's far from it. It is ingrained. It's uh, it's monolithic. It involves everything. And then you have this. Uh, th- th- then you have this group of people who are are, are re- really the cultural Marxists, and they like chaos they like wokeism yep. and all this stuff and uh so so yes this is the reason why i think that we're in for some really bad times but i'm also convinced that if our message get out it's not our message it's the message of liberty when the message of liberty gets out find out you mean that's all we have to do is just let people take care of themselves and get the government out of the way and really it isn't more complicated than that
1: absolutely Well, I'm going to close out. If you think we're about done, I'm going to thank our viewers again for watching. Our numbers are down, and you'll look, you'll see that our our viewing numbers are down right now, and part of it is seasonal. People go on vacation. That's understandable. We're not going to force you to sit here every day and watch the show, but we certainly appreciate when you do. But when our numbers go down, Dr. Paul and I do get a little bit (laughs) depressed, or at least speaking for myself, a little depressed. So um, we, we do thank you, and we hope that you'll continue to watch and find a way to to help us continue the show. Obviously, a contribution to the Ron Paul Institute, which produces this show, uh, which is tax deductible, would be very, very uh, appreciated, and we thank all of those who do. Even a small monthly donation on our automatic payments is so much appreciated, but you can also do something that won't cost you a penny, especially if you're suffering under these (laughs) inflation, and that's simply to watch the show, to hit like. It only takes a half a second. Uh, to make a comment, to do something to push these algorithms up. When I click onto YouTube, I don't see our show being recommended or suggested. And that can be affected, at least theoretically, by you clicking like and, and, and commenting on the show, sending it around to people, uh, getting more people to watch the show, talking about it in your circles. Um, we do work hard, and I hope I hope we put out a product that's useful to all of you that's a little different than what you see in the mainstream media. So a couple things that won't cost anything. <laughs> if you do, we really appreciate Uh, If you can do more, we also really appreciate that. And thanks again for watching the program.
0: Very good. I'm going to close by reemphasizing this uh, whole notion that many of us hold is that the problems we have is not very, you know, real complicated. And uh, they can be uh put in place but there's usually some people who have special agenda and they have power and clout but the people know that uh basically the majority of people still do want to live in a free society especially when it creates more prosperity but you know uh, people say well did it ever happen did people ever switch and all of a sudden test what you're saying did it work and the best test was before we became a country at Plymouth Colony, 1620, because the, the group there, the very, very small group, trying to survive and realize how tough things were. They said, we have to be a collective society. We have to put things together, and then we'll divv up, divvy up the food, and, and we will regulate it. And it was a total failure, and the colony was getting worse, and more people were dying. And it looked like it was total disaster, and it would end. And uh, Governor Bradford finally said, Let's try something different because it was known back then that there was a difference between government control and and also more individual freedom. So they switched from a total authoritarian society that raised the food and distributed the food and everybody had to obey the uh, the rules because it was so dangerous living in uh, in, in Plymouth uh, at that that particular time. So the the whole thing is, is that within a year or two, the recovery occurred people were given uh, bradford changed the rules people could have their own plot of land and they got rewarded for what they did it was no time where they could they had food again they were taking care of themselves they were trading again and it changed the whole thing the trouble is that message of how disastrous yeah, socialism was at that time didn't last long enough. I'm sure the founders knew of those examples and made they made a very sincere attempt to put into the Constitution that opportunity to solve our problems and take care of our lives in a free society. But we've drifted away from it but the message is still there, the desire is still there, the majority of the American people still are there, and they're going to especially look for some answers under today's conditions, because we're back to a point where we're not going to have enough food, and the world's beginning to starve. It's all its all dependent on and looking to having international government and globalism, United Nations, and entangling alliances and wars to bring about prosperity. Now. It's evident that it doesn't work, and that is why we should take an opportunity. You know, the bad people they take a care, they take, uh, make an opportunity of it when we have bad things happening. That they say, well, this is an excuse uh, for uh, you know us cracking down on environmental laws and their their agenda. But it should be that we should look at this and say it is the radicals and, you know, interventionists and the radicals that print money out of thin air and regulate our lives and fight wars that are necessary. They're the cause of the problem. And therefore, the answer is not so much we'd be creating anything brand new, but just observing what history has shown that the freer society, the more prosperous it is. So there's no reason why we shouldn't give freedom a chance.